Uh, can we talk about this town, though? You've brought it up a few times. Yes. This is the single most generically quaint, small, adorable sort of town, like middle America. Is it the same place that they shoot Stars Hollow, like Gilmore Girls? It's the <laughs> Gilmore Girls town, right? Oh, no. It's not Stars Hollow. There are some similarities. It is. Okay. It's also the same town as that Christmas Hallmark rom-com, Tinseltown, Christmasville. Pennsylvania, whatever it is. Oh, you're just you're I'm just, just guessing at the name. Okay, like, I was gonna say. Ridiculous. I was going to say I don't think that's right, <laughs> but it's sad that I but know that. I was gonna say like, is it is it close to being right though? Yes, I think, I think it is. So. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take a point five. It's a good guess. Okay. Welcome to the Rom-Com Rewind Podcast. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Devin. And I love rewatching movies over and over again. And I love romantic comedies. So this is a show where we rewatch rom-coms, break them down a bit for you, maybe take a peek behind the curtain, dig beneath the surface, and decide, does it still hold up? Today we have Runaway, Runaway Bride. Bride. And we are now a part of Stingray Podcast Network, so uh, you can check us out, stingraypodcast.com. You can also see some of our friends there. As well, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Please follow us on Spotify so you're updated when new episodes come out. Uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you want. And if you want input on what our next movie should be, follow us on Instagram, at Rom-Com Rewind. So, Runaway Bride is directed by Gary Marshall. This man is rom Com royalty. He also did Pretty Woman. He did Valentine's Day, Raising Helen, Georgia Rule, The Princess Diaries 1 and 2. Oh, yeah, he did do Princess Diaries. I love those movies. Right? So The Runaway Bride is the story of our girl Maggie Carpenter, played by Julia Roberts. I feel like I should edit in a harp sound every time we say Julia Roberts because I love her so much. So Maggie has gotten kind of famous. She's been engaged three times. And three times at the wedding ceremony, she runs away at the last minute, like like right at the altar. So she's gotten like low-level famous in America. Hence, everyone calls her the runaway bride. She likes to dump grooms right at the altar, plows down the aisle, knocking old ladies out of her way like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. I'm profoundly and irreversibly screwed up. I have been accused of using this column to direct bitter diatribes at the opposite then sex. Then we have Ike. He's played by our guy Richard Gere. Ike is a New York City columnist searching for a story for his next column. And he hears this story about Maggie Carpenter, the runaway bride. And Ike decides to essentially write a slam piece about her. And some of it turns out to be pretty in- inaccurate. Maggie read the article, got upset, and she lets Ike's bosses know, hey, this guy lied all over this piece, so they end up firing him. But in a final act of retribution, Ike and his former boss decide, hey, you know what? Maggie is about to get married, potentially to a fourth guy. How about you go to her town, you interview some people, you really build out this story, and when she runs away, you get to write a fully sourced article about how you were right the entire time, and we get to hire you back. Spoiler alert. Ike goes to Maggie's town to write the article, and ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> sparks fly. What are your thoughts on Runaway Bride? <laughs> so I hadn't watched this movie in like a really long time. So it was basically, I was watching it for the first time. Hey, oh Yay! man, I'm jealous of you. Yeah, it was so good. I watched this so much with my older sister. I love this movie. <sighs> this is this is so typical of 90s romantic comedies. Like the acting, the acting's actually fantastic. It is, yeah. Julia Roberts in these types of roles, she has this magnetism to her. 
Like her smile, I made fun of her smile in the other episode, but it's <laughs> when she's smiling, I can't not smile, you know? It's true. She's such a great actress and like the movie is so fun to watch. There's there's not too much going on, but there's just enough that it's like, "Oh my god, this is so fantastic." Yeah. And here's the thing, the plot, can we be real? When you really break it down, it's not awesome. There are some definite holes in this plot. But it's Julia Roberts and Richard Gere, guys, and it's the 90s, so I don't really care about all that, all that other stuff. I just love her and her acting so much that it's like, I'm I'm in. I'm, I'm all in on this. So in Ike's first article about Maggie, he compares her to a demon, <laughs> says that it's um, her seventh man that she's left at the altar, that she has another man already lined up, a man-eater. She is a man-eater. Right. That in ancient Greece, this fearsome female was known as Araness, the devouring death goddess. And in India, she is known as Kali, who works to devour her boyfriend Shiva's <laughs> entrails. And it continues on from there. In Indonesia, the bloody-jawed man-eater named Ragma. Then he calls her out saying her name, like in the newspaper, Maggie Carpenter, a.k.a the runaway bride says she likes to dress up her men as grooms before she devours them. That is a lot. He was really over the top. (laughs) Yes. Can I point out something about the article and something I also really like subtly about this movie is the soundtrack. Cause the movie opens it's uh, you two still haven't found what I'm looking for. And if you remember that scene, Maggie is literally riding a horse away from her (laughs) former prospective husband They also play the chicks, ready to run. But more importantly, do you remember the song that was playing when Ike is traveling to this town? No. It was the song Maneater. Oh. So I found it really funny that he (laughs) finds all these eloquent ways to call her a man-eater in the article. And then when he actually needs to travel to the town, they play the song Maneater. I like it. That's so (laughs) funny. So her and Bob. Bob is her... Not seventh or eighth, but her fourth. They are getting married. Her fourth trip down Hard the to aisle. Keep track sometimes. It is. It is. It's her fourth trip down the aisle. Really, at what point does um, counting matter anymore? At what point do weddings matter? Right. Like at the yeah, just go to the courthouse and get it over with. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do we need these big elaborate things if there's a good chance she's not going to show up or <laughs> something's going to happen? <laughs> so they're going on a honeymoon after they get married to go hiking in the Himalayas. The backpack. There's a scene where she puts on the backpack to try it on for weight, and she, it's so heavy that she basically like falls over. She backwards. topples over. Yeah. I feel like this has happened to me while we've gone backpacking. <laughs> well, yeah. You. It's funny. We've gone backpacking, and your pack is bigger than my pack. It is. Doesn't really make sense. We should probably switch packs well, at some I point. Well, I pack more clothes than you. You do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it becomes heavier, which you eventually end up carrying. Um. So, what are your thoughts on the honeymoon spot? Like, so I think this would be a trip for an adventurous couple, no doubt. But since Bob is such a sport buff, like, I would have thought that this would not be his go-to honeymoon. I would have thought that he would have gone to, like, a series of sports events across America or something. Like, or or even across the world, like, going to see, like, a really cool soccer game or just, like, something else. Not a big hike in the Himalayas. Well, and you're not wrong because for both of them, like, think about there, there was that scene where Maggie is at the baseball game. 
and Peggy's husband like oh, it, gets a run battered in. <laughs> so they're like, whoa, like so amped up. So it's like it's clear that Maggie actually does like at least baseball. Yeah. And Bob is a high school football coach. We can find some common ground that's not the fucking <laughs> Himalayas, right? Like, well, yeah. And I mean, a baseball game. <laughs> I think every single one of Bob's lines had something to do with a sport metaphor. Right. It was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. That was my favorite thing. We're like, how are you feeling about the wedding, Bob? He's like, you know, what? we're working on focusing. Yeah. We're we're picturing the end zone. The altar is the end zone. We're visualizing it. We're visualizing the ball going into the cup. I'm spiraling through the air. I am streaking toward the it really, honestly, yeah, Bob's one of my favorite characters. I feel bad for Bob. Poor Bob got done dirty. Oh, poor Bob. So I can't believe um, that all of her runaway bride moments were filmed on camera. Oh, totally. Right? I like, mean, it was the 90s. They took camcorder oh, video of like, everything. Yes, they were everywhere. All like your Thanksgiving dinners, your Christmas, your everything. I did notice the multiple angles kind of threw me off a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> that was a little bit like, okay, these are clearly how, not. <laughs> yeah, how many cameras did you have? And who edited them all together? Yeah. <laughs> I felt bad for her, but I also thought it was very odd that when she goes home on the day after like work she finds ike sitting there with her family watching said runaway bride moments can we break down which run away from the altar is the best so let's, <laughs> okay let's break them down right now we, we've got three we've got gil who now owns an auto repair shop he was a musician mm-hmm. so in this scene gil is actually on stage <laughs> performing and like when maggie walks out down the aisle him and his band are on a stage performing so weird come on dude like really <laughs> there's also a trampoline midway down the aisle that so that maggie like, needs really? to stop and jump on the trampoline and jump off yeah and then once she gets to the altar well sorry not an altar it was a stage once mm, again mm-hmm. um she literally just turns around and walks off the back of the stage <laughs> yeah so that's option A. Well, no, no, no. You have to remember, she jumps on a motorcycle. I think that's key. Oh my God, I forgot the she motorcycle. She jumps on a motorcycle and yes. takes off with like some random guy who she knows, obviously, because it's a small town and everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And yeah, they take off on a motorcycle. So that gets some consideration. Then there's the church flyby. Maggie was supposed to marry Brian, <laughs> who's now a church priest. Yeah. Um, She gets to the end of the wa- aisle and literally just slowly walks past him like she gets within a couple feet of him and just continues on by back down the aisle one of the ring bearer boys grabs her dress and she ends up dragging him you know how we ghost people on like via technology now yeah she did like a real life in your face ghost she did like Every- i'm and here and now knew. i'm gone and i'm not even gonna say anything about it i'm just walking on by and every single person knew about it yeah and then there's bug guy george um it's actually the first scene in the movie is her leaving yeah. Well, like her riding away. But they get to the altar. Maggie's on a horse. Um, and it's like, you know this woman's history. Why would you put her on a literal vehicle where she can leave <laughs> with? That's like, such a good point. Like, why Why would you give her the horse so then she rides off on the horse? So which one's the best? I think, I think the horse is pretty cool. Like, I think it's pretty good. It's the opening scene of the movie. It is the opening scene of the movie, seeing um, a bride riding riding away on a horse. The altar, no, that's probably like the third. Really? I think it is pretty crazy. Like I loved she, I know, just the reaction of really how she kind of looks at him and just, <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, she, she hit him with a low key like, you know what? Yeah, no, I'm, okay. I'm okay. Uh, I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. okay today. No, thank you. 
Yeah, I would say probably um, the motorcycle, though, because that was Whoa. just like, that was just very um, chaotic. Like the trampoline, then the crowd oh, there surfing, was a lot of action. Yeah. and then getting up there and then realizing that she didn't want to and then jumping on the back of some random guys like it was a dirt bike. Oh, OK, yeah. Yeah. And then taking off. I think that was just very chaotic and pretty crazy. OK, scenario. You're at a wedding. You're just kind of in the parking lot around the corner and the bride comes running out. And he's like, start the car. I got to get out of here. What do you do? Start the car and get out of here. What? Here. Really? I think, yeah. Why I definitely you? have like a moral dilemma of like, maybe you guys should have a fucking <laughs> conversation about this <laughs> <laughs> and not just run away from the guy. Well, that's true. Maybe maybe <laughs> if I was like, I feel like you're just like in the heat of the moment. You're like, oh my God, okay. And you just like go. And then you realize only after as, as everything's like clicking in. Oh my God, I just drove this person away from their wedding. <laughs> <laughs> totally really messed up so to to get more info about maggie for his article he goes and visits each of the almost grooms mm, yes the left at the alterese <laughs> so i found Is that it what we're calling them? <laughs> i don't know i guess so. <laughs> the losers you can call them Aww. the losers oh i know bob i feel bad saying that to bob yeah because he never saw it coming well he should have though Anyway, um, so I found it odd that Maggie was still relatively, like, relatively on good terms with all of them. Because Julia Roberts has this magnetism. It's like, I can't hate her, even if she did. Well, and I think, like, Maggie did, too, right? Like, is this a small town thing, too? Anyway, in talking... You're right, you're right, yeah. So in talking to Brian Norris, so, like, he's the one that gets, um, becomes a priest after, Mm -hmm. Ike starts to find, like, trends with Maggie that she seems to take on personalities of her significant others and kind of loses herself in the mix. Like I thought to myself, she must have an, had an impact on them too, though, if yeah. they can still be friends with her. I mean, like, did Brian say like, oh my God, if I can't have her, I'm going to become, a I priest. can only have God now. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if, if I can't have Julia Roberts, then I I might yeah. as well be celibate for the very, rest of my very life. Very forgiving, that one. <laughs> oh, God. That's so funny. Uh, can we talk about this town, though? You've brought it up a few times. Yes. This is the single most generically quaint, small, adorable sort of town, like middle America. I feel like every single Hallmark movie from 2012 oh. to 2020 has been set in one of these towns. Is it the same place that they shoot Stars Hollow, like Gilmore Girls? It's the Gilmore <laughs> Girls town, right? Oh, no. It's not Stars Hollow. There are some similarities. It is, yes. We're, we're going to get back to that. Okay. It's also the same town as that Christmas Hallmark rom-com, Tinseltown, Christmasville, Pennsylvania, whatever it is. Oh, you're just, you're just, just guessing at the name? Because, okay, like, I was going to say, ridiculous. I was going to say, I don't think that's right. <laughs> but it's sad that I <laughs> know that. I was going to say, like, is it is it close to being right, though? <laughs> yes, I think I it think is. So. <laughs> It's I'll a, take it. I'll take a point five. It's a good guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so she finally decides that she l- literally can't get rid of Ike, <laughs> that he is just always around, showing up everywhere. So if you can't beat him, join him. She makes a deal with him that she will let him interview her and follow her around. If he gives her a thousand bucks, they negotiate, get it down to six fifty, so she can buy her dream dress for the upcoming wedding with Bob. <laughs> I just laugh now. <laughs> <with> respect. <laughs> Um, is Bob such a joke to you <laughs> that you can't say his name without laughing? <laughs> so he, Ike agrees. <laughs> Poor Bob. And so then he follows her around town. What's that show he's on? Can you believe that 
Maggie Carpenter screwed him up so much that he's like, now nah, I just got to chase down criminals on Law and law Order, and order. <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> I just got to punch, on that show for punch really drug dealers time. in the face. It's all that will bring me joy now. <laughs> so Ike and Maggie make it back to Maggie's house. And turns out she kept all of her engagement rings. That's messed up. Yes. She even names the rings after her previous fiancés. Right. Right? So Brian's is a beautiful solitaire diamond ring. Mm. She literally calls it, Brian is a beautiful solitaire diamond ring. Like, the ring is named Brian. Anyway. Right. That's creepy. Gil. And Gil's, of course. Gil. Is what looks like, uh, to me, a silver ring that's in the shape of a rose, like their tattoos that they both got, <laughs> supposedly. <laughs> yeah. George. Um, his is a unique ring, uh, a round, low-set diamond with other smaller diamonds around it. He proposed at a butterfly farm. He proposed at a butterfly farm in St. Thomas. The ring was inside a cocoon. Mm, a little too Silence of the Lambs for my taste, but... Well, he's an entomologist. And finally, Bob's. Bob is a uh, small diamond in the shape of a number one. He proposed during the seventh right. inning of an Oriole game. The scoreboard lit up with Marry Me, Maggie. Oh, see, that's why they can't go on their honeymoon to a baseball game because he already proposed at a baseball game. Yeah, you but vary they can go up. to sportsing events. Sportsing together. Sportsing. Can I bring up around this point in the movie, Peggy, Maggie's best friend, hits Maggie with a, a little wee uh, truth bomb that Ooh. I think is very accurate. Okay. First, she says that um, because Maggie was like flirting with her husband. And she said that Maggie spazzes out with all of this excess flirtatious energy and it just ends up landing on any male that moves. <laughs> um, we all know people like that who just flirt with guys, not because they want anything to happen, but just, you know, flirtatious things sprout up. But then Peggy also says that Maggie is charming and mysterious. Maggie says, well, you are too. And Peggy says, no, I'm weird. Weird and mysterious are two different things. And also quirky and weird are also two very different things. And I think we need to break this down with some examples because I think it is very true. Like the quirky weird mysterious weird um as soon as she said quirky and mysterious i'm like oh well that's zoe de chanel right new girl mm. she's quirky and mysterious jess but then you cross the line into weird and mysterious and that's your aubrey plaza that's what's her oh. face from parks and rec right <laughs> yes. where she'd be like <laughs> the neighbor's microwave is too loud so i broke in last night and i broke it and i don't feel bad about it it's like you know you're you are mysterious but you're definitely weirder about it and yes. i think both are fine i think that's a really good comparison so maggie and ike head to the bridal shop to buy her dress and the lady at the store tells maggie that spending a thousand dollars on a dress is a lot especially when she wears them for only 10 minutes burn yeah i was like oh that's she should buy the dress she wants. But then I was like, oh, she only does wear them for 10 you, minutes. If you're being fiscally responsible, right? I would also say the $300 dress or whatever But she did just get 650 from Ike. Ike, so she so. wants to spend that money on the bell dress. Yeah. So the other dress is only $300. And, I mean, it's nice, too. But she ends up getting the $1,000 dress. Of course. Because it, it swings like a bell. And also, this might be ruining one of your quick facts. Okay. But isn't that a throwback to the pretty woman scene where oh, Julia no, Roberts goes have, into the shop? I don't have it as my quick And they as, don't as want a server because they don't think she has enough money? I don't have it as a, uh, a quick fact. While Ike is waiting for Maggie, he starts talking to Maggie's grandmother mm, and this. her friend. So Maggie shows up and is listening to their conversation. Her grandmother tells Ike that the reason she keeps running 
is because she isn't afraid of the wedding, but instead she's afraid of the wedding night. (laughs) Innocent girls are terrified of the one-eyed snake. And on her wedding night, the Gma's wedding night, she took a knitting needle to bed just in case. (laughs) You love that, eh? I think that's ridiculous. Oh, Maggie obviously lets her know, like, sorry, Grandma. Like, that was a long time ago. I'm not afraid of one night. Yeah, no, this is, yeah. (laughs) That was many, many guys ago, so... So we all remember the hula party, right? It was the rehearsal dinner? It was the rehearsal dinner that one of the ladies decided, you know, the whole town is at and it's put on by one of the ladies. I think they do this um, possibly every wedding. The entirety (laughs) of Stars Hollow showed up. Oh my God. I didn't see Lorelai in the background. Hail town, right? Anyway, I felt so bad for Maggie. They all get up one at a time and basically say some crappy joke about how she's going to run or what's new this time type of thing. Ike steps in and says... Yeah, I, I hope all of your mistakes get rubbed in your own noses kind yes. of deal. Yeah, but Maggie is humiliated. Like, she runs off. Would you have been humiliated if somebody came to bat for you? Like, I feel like she is the laughing stock of the town, she, and she just kind of goes with it, goes with the flow. And when finally Ike stands up for her, she doesn't like it. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Like, she's so used to people making fun of her and cracking jokes that I think she's kind of like, if I just smile and laugh along... There's no conflict. It's all right. And then Ike creates that conflict by basically telling everybody the way it is and that it's like you're being shitty to her. And she doesn't like that because I think, oh, my God, are we getting down to something right now? I think Maggie Carpenter just doesn't like conflict in her life. That's why she can't tell any of the grooms ahead of time. Hey, this is a bad idea. I'm probably going to run away. She just gets to the moment and pieces out. I, I would agree. I think you're right. But then after that moment, she does have the confidence to talk to her dad. She's like, listen, you're an alcoholic. You're kind of a piece of shit. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Stop making fun of me kind of thing. (laughs) So the day has come for Maggie to attempt to complete her fourth wedding and walk down the aisle. Yes. But to Ike? My boy Bob got done so dirty. So I'll preface that Bob was again left at an altar. Right. It was just the day before. And instead, her and Ike decide that they have fallen in love in a very short time and want to get married, which is very spontaneous. So, of course, she almost makes it there and a flash of a camera from somebody in the crowd sends her into a tailspin and she dashes from the church again, this time making her getaway in a FedEx delivery truck. Great product placement for FedEx. Abso-freaking-lutely. So I was so hoping that she made it down the aisle this time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. When we, because you had seemingly forgotten all about this movie and Sarah's looking at me and she's like, does she make it down this time? And in my head, I'm like, are you kidding? Like, obviously not. This is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, I don't understand how she... Then I like, close the door! I don't understand how she keeps convincing men to marry her. Because Julia Roberts and it's that smile. Can I point out one small hole in this movie, though? And it happens yes. right before this moment. Okay. It's how Ike and Maggie agree. <laughs> yeah, let's get married. <laughs> After only knowing each other for like 20 minutes. Also, the wedding is going to happen in like 36 hours. Oh, yeah. And then we get this very fast sprawl of what I would call like relationship building montage it's like oh clips my of God, them playing yes. cards together i remember this do you remember playing cards because that's what couples used to do before <laughs> phones existed by the way 
Um, <laughs> he calls her while she's like at the salon, and he's like, "I see this very beautiful woman at the salon," and she tells her friends like, "He can see." <laughs> and then I think there's like a fireplace scene, and it's really powerful. Like, hey, this relationship is growing, but don't forget, this is like a day and a half. All within is what 36 hours. Yeah, no. It's, it, it is a little strange. <clears throat> like, I think they tried to cram the fact that they could get married without making it weird. Yeah. And once again, it's one of those things where this movie is so good that I, I know it's stupid. And when I'm watching it, I'm like, <laughs> this is stupid. But I can't help but love it. I don't know what it's. <laughs> I know. It's a feel-good movie, right? It's Julia like, Roberts and Richard Gere. I just can't not love this. You're rooting for them. Yeah. I love it. Maggie finally takes some time to figure out who she is. She's tried all the different types of eggs she can and decides which one she loves. So are eggs a metaphor for her finding who she loves? Like, she loves Eggs Benedict and she loves Ike. I, I think it's more just finding yourself, right? Like, a lot of times when people are in long relationships, they just kind of need to be single for, like, I don't think she was in any type of long relationship. No. No, but I think that's kind of where it is, where it's like you need to know who you are before you can know the right person to complete your life. Or not to complete your life, but to be the cherry on top of it, right? Right. So it's taking the time to find out what eggs you like and then finally figuring that out. It's her learning who she is. Right. Right. Can we talk about how, so, you know, she takes over everybody's egg. Personality. Personality. Let's call it that. The egg personality. I think minuscule things like that do happen in relationships. Like, is there anything you took from an ex that legitimately became part of your personality? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I think because I think because they're so micro, you don't realize it. So I, I know one vividly. That you took? Oh, yeah. It was a oh. very formative time. Like, it was an early relationship. I think I was 13. Oh, my God. And this girl... <laughs> Really liked emo, screamo, metal music. Oh my god! And I was gen- like, I was pretty. Uh, I I liked a wide range of music, but I genuinely became a metalhead for like three years. Dyed my hair black. The relationship was like six months, but this wow. carried over to the point where it's like, That's if a Alexis on Fire are jamming out, I I know exactly like, oh, that was this album, this song. Love this guitar solo coming up. Mm, so good. You know, it's it's now a part of who I was. Well, that's deep. That is d- <laughs> Anyway, so she goes to New York to see Ike, and she gives oh. him her running shoes. It's another metaphor that she's done running and wants to be with him. She wants to be with him. And then she says the quote that he said to her well, yes, earlier because, on in the movie. Right? Yes, because he's still unsure, and which she's actually in this scene really happy about, because then she gets to propose to him with the same words that sh- he said to her in the middle of the movie. That's right. I guarantee that we'll have tough times. And I guarantee that at some point, one or both of us will want to get out. But I also guarantee that if I don't ask you to be mine, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. Because I know in my heart you're the only one for me. I love it. On to quick facts. Quick facts! This is another movie that was in pre-production for a very long time, a decade, and had many potential people set up to play the role before Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. 
Can you guess who some of the actors and actresses who were um, set to play the role? Okay, so we're, we're spanning the entire 90s. Yeah, let's start out around, like, first stop, 1992. I mean, like, Demi Moore would have been big around then. Okay. Is that a yes? That is yes. Hey! That is a yes. Ding! You know what? I'll, I'll take the win. That's that's my guess. Demi Moore and I, and I am right, and you can't take that away from me. Okay, so, who else? so I'll just go over a few. So uh, Gina Davis and Harrison Ford were set to play in 1992. Ah, Gina Davis don't love that. I like Harrison Ford, Harrison though. Ford makes sense, though. Yeah. yeah he would have been good. Then over the next few years, Michael Douglas, Demi Moore, hey. Ellen DeGeneres, and Mel Gibson. We're in the mix to play the roles. Interesting choices. Totally. So in 1996, Sandra Bullock was set to play, but in the end, she just decided against oh, it. Oh, I would love that. Yeah, it would have been good. And then Ben Affleck and um, Thea Leone were in talks to uh, to take over, but then Ben passed on the role. And then producers decided to ask Richard Gere. He would only do it, though, if Julia Roberts did it. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. so cute. So it took some convincing, though, because she had actually read an earlier version of the script and didn't love it. So she said no. But he he gave her a call and they chatted and she decided to do it. They even got God. Gary Marshall to direct. Oh, so he wasn't the original director. No, no, he wasn't. So they actually, that also took some major convincing, though, because he was supposed to go on vacation with his wife to Australia, which he had promised. Um, but Julia Roberts and Richard Gere convinced him to do it. Guess uh, how much the budget was for this movie. Oh, man, it's probably surprisingly small. I would say the actors took up the majority of the budget. So $70 million. What? What did they spend it on? So this was literally because of Roberts and Gere. Right, yeah, it's going to be mostly the how much money they ask so, for. So Julia earned seventeen million. Um, Richard Gere got twelve million. That's especially if we're talking about equality in Hollywood in terms of wage pay. Julia Roberts makes this movie. Yeah, so the movie opened up uh, number one at the box office and um, grossed thirty five million, the best opening ever for a Julia Roberts film at the time. Okay. The town of Berlin, Maryland, was used for the movie, turning it into the town of. Hale, Maryland. It put close to $1 million into the local economy, real estate, took off with like just exploded, and it doubled the tourism after the release of the movie. Runaway Bride grossed over $150 million domestically and $300 million worldwide, becoming a blockbuster hit. And they made back that $70 million they paid. Heck yeah, <laughs> and more. So the town actually held a Runaway Bride month uh, in August to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the movie. Oh, that's adorable. You know what? I... I can't even knock them because, like, you are the town from this movie. Live it up. Roberts got to wear several different wedding gowns throughout this movie. Costume designer Albert Wolski actually designed and created the first four gowns, including the hippie-style crochet one. They made three copies of the crochet dress because of all the stunts required while wearing this dress. So the trampoline jumping, the crowd surfing, and the motorcycle getaway. So they needed multiple dresses wow. of the same. Yeah. The organza gown that she finds in the window of the store, so the one that's $1,000, they only had one extra dress of this, and this was just in case the FedEx getaway ruined it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, whoa, this is juicy. In real life, Roberts was once accused of being a runaway bride when she called off her June 1991 nuptials that were set to take place on 20th Century Fox Soundstage 14 just three days before the wedding. Can you guess who the groom was? Man, I'm trying to remember who she... Did she not date Brad Pitt, I want to say? Maybe that's wrong. Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, that's right. Yes. So she co-starred with him in Flatliners. She started dating him after calling off her engagement to Dylan McDermott, who was her Steel Magnolia's love interest. Even more cray, 
When Julia Roberts called off the wedding to Kiefer Sutherland, she ran off with Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland's co-star in Lost Boys and his good friend who had recently been disinvited to the wedding. Okay, so guess where Roberts and Patrick went to hide out? Like Fiji. They went to Ireland. Oh, oh, adorable. Yes. And then they made their relationship public and then they broke up in 2002. So we all remember the platypus face that Maggie makes in the movie? Okay, she looks like um, a really bad Pokemon. Oh, she she does. does Oh my God, she does. In 99, Pokemon would have been a big deal. Yeah. Oh my God, who does she look like? Psyduck? Yeah, Psyduck, exactly. That's exactly who I was thinking. Psyduck or Golduck, right? Yes. We're nerding out pretty hard right now, but yeah. We are, yep, yep. Big time (laughs) nerds, yep. Well, this wasn't actually in the original script. Marshall added it when he saw Julia do the face for his visiting grandchildren on set. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, I thought that was super cute. I said earlier that the movie took a while to happen. Uh, One of the reasons it was delayed was because the script didn't explain why Maggie continued to run from the altar. Right. So to help explain this, a key scene was added that highlighted Maggie's tendencies to pretend to be exactly what her partner wanted to be rather than what she wanted to be. So the egg scene. So her figuring out, you know, what kind of eggs really meant like who she was, finding out who she was. So this found Maggie preparing eggs in a number of ways to figure out which one she liked best. There's a scene where Maggie is driving through the town square and sees Ike playing guitar with some of the locals. Turns out Richard Gere can not only play the guitar, but he also wrote the part he was playing during that scene. Really? Well, he was just kind of like blues guitar freestyling, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maggie makes a reference to a Camp Birchwood before making the platypus face. Julia Roberts actually attended that camp as a child in northern Minnesota. Now we're on to best scenes. Best scene. So my best scene is the very last scene we see before the credits roll. It's when Maggie actually gets married on this really picturesque hillside. It's literally just the two of them and the pastor And I watched this movie for the first time and many times in some of my more formative years, like when I was a (laughs) lot younger. And that scene has always stuck with me as like the most perfect ideal way and also meaning to get married. And I don't want to like shame people who want to have like 3,000 people at their weddings, but like it's only really about the two people or it should only be about those two people who love each other so much and they want to spend the rest of their lives with each other, and I just thought that was so pure to kind of wrap this movie up with a bow. My best scene is the rehearsal at the church. Woo! <laughs> Got lots to say about that. Continue on. Okay, so Maggie and Bob are there for the rehearsal, and the next day they're going to get married. Um, Ike tags along. They go into the church. Her bridesmaids walk down the aisle, and Bob is in his place as the groom. Ike is the minister or the priest. Yeah, they tell him, you play the minister. Yeah. Bob is standing there waiting for Maggie to come down the aisle. Instead, she's seen ringing the church bells and swinging back and forth, (laughs) kind of out of control. Yeah. (laughs) Bob says that instead, Ike should play the groom and Bob will kind of coordinate, as he does in all of his sports scene. He will coordinate what's happening. So he'll make sure that Maggie is focused to get down that aisle. Right. Keep eye contact. Keep eye contact. Maggie walks down the aisle. And you can just see in her eyes, she is in love with Ike. Yeah, she's staring at Ike. Yes, she's completely staring at Ike. Bob's not even there. She gets there, and all of a sudden Bob says, and this is where you'd kiss the bride. Well, Ike and Maggie actually kiss. Bob is hurt, obviously. Bob is hurt. (laughs) Bob's unhappy. He runs out, says it's over, and all hell breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Okay, okay. So you're uh, 
If you were imagining me, you, you, you did great. What the hell were you doing? Uh, Bob, I'm really sorry about that. She kissed me back. I kissed you back. Yes, you did. You kissed me. Yeah, caught that. You want to tell me how long this has been going on? About a minute. A little longer for me. Really? Yeah. This goes right into my honorable mention. Ooh, okay, I like it. I want to tell you the story about the single most monumentally f***ed over character in any Aww. romantic comedy ever. It's the story of our friend Bob. Bob. Played by Chris Maloney, the Law & Order guy. So, yeah, you went through it. He was supposed to be Maggie's fourth attempted husband when Ike travels to Stars Hollow to write this story. And then their love finally manifests itself. Not quietly, late at night when nobody's around. Nah, Maggie and I kiss in front of Bob at the rehearsal to his own wedding at the altar of his prospective wedding. And like you said, <laughs> Bob punches Ike and leaves. Oh, yes, he punches him. Oh, my he God, I completely him, forgot. Pieces out. But then what do Maggie and Ike decide? Ike's like, hey, listen, you already bought the dress. We got the venue booked. Just marry me instead of Bob. Oh, excuse me, what? That's horrible. And it's like a day and a half away. Imagine your fiance breaks up with you. And the new dude is, like, already living in the house that you paid for. Isn't that a little messed up? Well, yeah. And, I mean, Bob at the end is just okay with it. it you, you may be listening to this podcast far in the future, but right now we're in 2020 in the middle of the COVID pandemic. And I just want to say, if Bob can survive Runaway Bride, we can all collectively get to the end of 2020. We can't come soon enough. <laughs> What's your honorable mention? My honorable mention is the top five things you'll find in a small town. Ooh, I like this. Restaurants close early. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows everyone in all of their dirty business and laundry. Everyone owns their own stores. There's no big box stores. That's number three, yeah. People from big cities always think that people from small cities or small towns ride animals places or use them as modes of transportation. Yeah, yeah. I know five. Okay, what's five? Number five is that there will always be a crusty but lovable um, restaurant owner who ends up falling in love with a hotel. Because this town is the same as Stars <laughs> Hollow from Gilmore Girls. Rest my case. All right, all right. I'll give it to you. It's very similar. <laughs> we got what should have been. What should have been. Do you have any? That's no. okay, because I have four what should have been for this movie. Oh, I hope Bob's in there. Because Maggie runs away or breaks up with... Four different guys. Oh, I like this. So I've got what should have been for all of them. Okay, go. Well, most of them. Because Father Brian Norris, he ended up with God. He so did. So that's fine. His what should have been is God, and he founds him. Yes. We've got three left, starting with Gil. The musician turned auto mechanic Maggie ran away from. He should end up with... <laughs> <laughs> he should end up with... Lorelai Gilmore from oh the Gilmore Girls. Gosh. Because like I said, I'm pretty convinced this town is right beside Stars Hollow. Also, does Gil not feel a lot like Luke from Stars Hollow and no, the Gilmore Girls? Luke's crusty, though. They're rough around the edges business owners. Gil's, Gil's nice, but he's still kind of gritty. He's a small town, gritty business owner. All right, I'll take it. Anyways, Fine. Uh, I, I still don't think it's the Luke vibe, but that's okay. Okay, it's close. It's close. Bob, um, Bob should end up with himself because after going through such a horrifying Aww. breakup, this guy needs time to process. I hope Bob still goes on that hiking trip to where the Himalayas. But he finds somebody in the end. He had this horrible breakup. Bob needs time for himself. She might be the one, she's but the... he needs a moment. Okay, well, I, so I she's the rebound at the moment. 
well, she's the rebound, but we don't want her to be the rebound. We want Bob to take his time. I think I think the way they played it out was that it's her, it's his forever. Yeah, that's how they played it out. I don't like it though, because after a breakup like that, you're just gonna want to bang something. So he needs to find himself in the Himalayas. And then we got Bug Guy. Does he not look somewhat familiar? Just in terms of the archetype of a person, he kind of looks like one of those NPC Pokemon trainers from like the classic Pokemon games, like Pokemon Red or Blue. And he's also in love. Does he not look like them? Yes. Yes. It's also, like I said, 99, Pokemon's a thing. He's also in love with bugs and nature and animals. So Bug Guy George's, what should have been, is that he should end up with Erica, the fictional gym leader of Celadon <laughs> City Gym. Oh, my God. She, she specializes in grass-type Pokemon, and I think they would get along famously. You went deep for this one. Like, into the, the capsule. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Okay, this one's by far my favorite. Really? Okay, all right. I like this one. Okay. (laughs) And now we got, oh, a thirst factor. Give me Richard Gere's thirst factor first. 7.5. Is Richard Gere's sole role in life to give early graying men more Mm. self-confidence? Because this dude is like, what, 51? Mm -hmm. Fully, not even gray. It's mostly white hair. Yeah, and people it's nice, love it. Though. You yeah, found him attractive. Lo- yes, yes. I don't find him attractive at all. Overall, uh, rewatchability. Hmm. Nine. Only a nine. Wow, you have it higher. Well, okay. Here's how I'm breaking it down because okay. I have Crazy Stupid Love as my all-time most rewatchable rom-com. I think I gave it a nine point seven. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, my best friend's wedding might have been a nine point five. I think this slots in somewhere in the middle. Oh, I would agree, because I think I like this one better than my best friend's a wedding. A little tiny bit better. <gasps> yes, okay. I'm going to put her on 9.6. I agree. I Not am... quite crazy stupid love, yep. but yeah. Yeah, I think I'm I'm going to say a 9.5. And this has been the rom-com rewind of, I was about to say my best friend's wedding, <laughs> Runaway Bride. Make sure you uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts so that you're updated when we do new podcasts. And leave us a review. We love those. We just joined in with uh, Stingray Podcasts, and um, we'd really like to be able to show them, hey, people like our shit, guys. Um, As well, follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram if you want to get involved in conversations about uh, future podcast episodes. And like we said, StingrayPodcast.com is also where we live. Thanks for listening.